0: Sit down if you want to. Right in the middle of what's going on. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. Take a seat, young Skywalker. The middle children of history, man. The middle of the day, Alfred. Please, take a seat,
1: baby. Right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Stop the middle of the basic. Meeting in the middle. Fight, fight. They fought for the freedom of middle.
0: The middle of middle. The
1: middle of The middle of the middle. The middle
0: of a war! Oh, it's friggin' ridiculous! Why don't we have a seat and talk about? over? No! Not the Middle
2: seat Turn on the classical piano music and jump in the car because it's time to road trip with a brand new episode of the Middle Seats podcast. I'm your lead pianist tonight. Let's talk about the other people in the car with us. He leads every rendition of 99 bottles of beer on the wall that we sing to when we're in the car, Mr. Nate Longarini. How we doing, everybody? Good to be with you. Let's get going. Nate, just so we're clear, how many bottles of beer are left on the wall?
0: Uh, at least another five hours worth of singing.
2: Oh, God. Oh, man. Oh,
0: yes.
1: Road trips with Nate.
2: <laughs> well, we won't subject you to that. We will subject you to this, though. He's the guy that keeps asking, are we there yet? Mr. Jake Hensler.
1: I think I'm going to... That The fact that I have to defend myself means I'm probably not great. Never mind. Mm. <laughs> I was going to no. try and defend myself, but nothing I would have said would have came out well, so... That's too real. I don't like that. <laughs>
2: Play along. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, the Middle Seats podcast is the best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. Thank you for joining us today. If you're joining us for the first time, our show is typically divided into three segments. We kind of start with lobby talk. What that means is a member of the crew will pitch a topic and we'll kind of just go back and forth on it for fun uh, for 10 to 15 minutes. It's Jake's week this week. He'll introduce his topic in just about 60 seconds, so i got to wrap this up. Anyway. After Lobby Talk, we get into the biggest news of the week. couple of huge trailers this week, so we're going to get into that soon. And then we can get into a big review. Oscar season is approaching shortly, and we get into a movie that could be a big contender, Green Book, which is based on a true story. And we'll get into that in a little while. So let's swing it around to Lobby Talk.
0: Let's all go to the lobby.
1: You're in the lobby? What do you look like?
0: I will blow up the block before you can make the lobby.
1: Um, I was thinking we should probably get going on what we're excited for in 2019 now that the year's wrapping up. Uh, so, I think how we're going to do this is we're each picking three movies. We're just going to quickly rattle them off and talk about the total of nine movies that we're really excited for among the hundreds that Andrew will undoubtedly get to. Mm. Yep. <laughs> Let's throw it to him. Let's see what three movies Andrew's really excited for. So I kind of wanted
2: to leave the bigger stuff to these guys because, I mean, like, I kind of am able to get into the nitty-gritty because, like Jake says, I see a bunch of movies a year. Uh, So here are some of the smaller prestige pictures. Still not, like, minuscule, but, like, interesting smaller movies, not the big blockbusters that I'm looking forward to. Um, And there are three fantastic filmmakers uh, coming out with new projects, and we don't get movies from them every year, We get them probably every two to three years, so when they come out, it's an event. It's been, was it, 2015 since Hateful Eight, which was Quentin Tarantino's last movie. He returns with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's based around the Manson murder time period. It takes place in Hollywood. It stars Leo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, uh, Margot Robbie, a bunch of other people, so we're very excited for that one. The Irishman is another one that we thought we might get in 2018. It got delayed, but Martin Scorsese working with De Niro, Pacino, Pesci, just a huge cast in that one. And then Little Women is another one that I'm excited for. Greta Gerwig, she's been a like a big actress for probably, I would say, if not a decade, half a decade. And she made her directorial debut with Lady Bird, which, of course, was a big critical darling last year, probably my second or third favorite film of 2017. So she is coming with an adaptation of the uh, classic novel, and she has assembled another great cast, Saoirse Ronan, Meryl Streep, Emma Watson, Timothy Chalamet, Bob Odenkirk, just a great, great cast. And those are the kind of movies that I really look forward to, especially as we get deeper into the year. These movies that are all about acting and they're all about filmmaking. Um, And I love the blockbuster as much as everybody else, but those are three that are really on my radar for next year.
1: See, that was pretty stupid of me, because Tarantino is one of, if not my favorite director, and I, before we started recording, we all kind of like shoddied what movies we were going to talk about, and I completely somehow forgot that his was coming out in the coming year.
0: And you call yourself a I know. A fan. I was like, God, I'm so stupid. Right. And I let you go first too. That's the sad
1: thing. Like we wasn't like round Robin. I let you go first. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was, I know. It was so stupid of me. As soon as Andrew was like, I'm getting Tarantino's, I was like, ah, expletive. <laughs> but yeah, so naturally had I remembered and not, you know, had a big brain fart, I would have picked Tarantino's. I'm very excited for this. He's got an all-star cast. Uh, he's got an, you know, interesting take on a, uh, some real life events, which he did with Bastards. Um, You know, super, super excited for Tarantino's. And obviously the other two outstanding filmmakers that Andrew mentioned as well.
0: Yeah, these are all interesting movies because we don't have any trailers for any of them yet. Obviously, they're a little far out. But this is why I love being friends with you, Drew, because you get to keep up on all this news and eventually see the movie before I do and let me know how it is so I don't have to do all the busy work. <laughs> right. I can, you, you I can let you be my own hype machine. I'm your guinea pig. Yeah, I get yeah, it. Nate, Nate
1: reaps the rewards of Andrew's hard work. Right.
2: Your worst movie of the year is going to be my my 32nd favorite.
1: <laughs> Honestly, that yeah, that is how both of us work. I'll be like, oh man, I really did not like this one and Andrew was like, yeah, that was middle of the pack. You didn't see yeah, this one. Yeah,
2: you, you ain't seen nothing. Like-
1: yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm also very excited for uh, Scorsese's movie. I was a little... Though Silence was good, I was a little underwhelmed with that one when it came out, so I'm hoping he can get, you know, he gets his old all-star crew back and see what he can do with them.
2: Honestly, I forgot about Silence, to be
1: completely honest. I liked it <laughs> no fine, point.
2: but, I, like, in my head, Wolf of Wall Street was his last movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> see, like, it was good. It was just, I don't know, not what I hoped from a Scorsese movie. Yeah, it was
0: fine. It was good. All right, Nady, what, what's
1: your three? Let's hear it.
0: All righty. So... All of mine do have trailers, so if you are hyped for these, you can watch them right now and uh, get on board the hype train here. So my first two are definitely more on the lighter side of things. There's Detective Pikachu, which we previewed a couple podcasts back, and as you know, I am the big Pokemon fan of the group, followed by Jake as my little protege there, and (laughs) if anything, I'm just excited to see how good, bad, or weird it is, because it just looks like such a weird mix of a movie that we, we have not seen anything like before <laughs> that's a great point uh so i'll be happy to either trash it or praise it depending on how it goes uh one that i definitely am excited for and hoping is just as good as the first though is lego movie 2 all-star voice cast great brand of humor and the premise here looks just as entertaining as the last time we start with this weird dystopian lego world and chris pratt's characters still just happy-go-lucky oblivious and we're apparently going to space so there's going to be spaceships and (laughs) it's going to be great uh so very much looking forward to that one the first lego movie is very near and dear to my heart and then to completely spin it all around a darker but still another sequel coming out is glass and unbeknownst to fans at the time it's going to be the third movie in M. Night Shyamalan's weird superhero universe, uh, picking off right after Unbreakable and Split uh, from a couple years back. And I'm just excited to see what a Bruce Willis who cares looks like. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's been a while, right? It's been a while.
0: And then hopefully, knocking on wood, M. Night Shyamalan actually makes a good movie again, because Split was pretty darn good. And if he can keep that momentum going, I'm going to have a good time, because Unbreakable is one of my favorites, and obviously uh, Sixth Sense and Signs are both classics in their own right, and a lot of people's favorites movies, depending on who you talk to. So this has potential. It's a a little pipe bomb just ready to go off. (laughs) I just hope it goes off in the right direction. Side note, I think I would fight whoever... Pick
2: Signs as their favorite movie ever, but <laughs> I digress.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, Nate, I, I'm, I'm with you as far as on uh, Unbreakable goes. Unbreakable was really good. I saw it a while ago, and then I rewatched it. It's a really good, grounded, down to earth, you know, take on a superhero universe. So when they revealed that Split was related, and then they'll be taking all of them and putting it together in Glass, I was, I was very excited. And I'm with you. I hope he. I hope he can return to form and find himself again and make this really good.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we're seeing so many of these connected universes. Everyone's trying to copy what Marvel did. And I feel like Shyamalan might actually be able to really, like, deconstruct it in a cool way, the same way that Cabin in the Woods deconstructed horror. Right. And it could be really, really cool if it works, if, it, right. if they do it right. Because, like, he's
1: he's had some fantastic failures, but he's oh, undoubtedly yeah. a unique mind. So, like, I still wouldn't put anything past him.
2: Yeah, and he – I just love comeback stories personally. Oh, uh, yeah. And his his redemption arc, per se, <laughs> has been is, very interesting to watch.
1: Yeah, it could be potentially in, in a story in itself.
2: <laughs> yeah, has anybody had a more up and down – this is the culmination of a 20-year arc for him because 99 was when <laughs> Sixth Sense dropped. Wow, yeah, you're right. And it's just Jeez. been like – it was a huge – Peaks and valleys through his whole <laughs> yeah, career. All, and he talking could be about like, highs
1: and lows. Right.
2: Like, if you had told someone 10 years ago that M. Night Shyamalan would be back on top, people would be like, what? But 20 years ago, they'd be like, yeah, of course. He's the right, next Spielberg. Obviously. That's what Newsweek said.
1: Like, That's so crazy. Um, mm-hmm.
2: And, of course, Lego Movie 2. The original Lego Movie is one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm excited, but I'm nervous, too. You know what I mean? Because you take away Lord and Miller from the equation, and every time you do that, I'm just nervous. But... I just hope it's serviceable. It does respect. Kind of like what Incredibles 2 did to Incredibles 1. Right. It doesn't have to be as good. It just has to be fun.
1: Yeah. I mean, knock on some heavy wood. I'd be pretty surprised if it was legitimately a bad movie. Because, I mean, it's just, there's still so much, you know, talent behind there. And the first one set it up so well. Like, you just got to make a a solid, competent movie. You don't have to blow anybody away like the first one. Right, exactly. You just have to at least just be good. And I'm, I'm... I'm confident it'll be at least that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully better, but I'm not too worried about Lego Movie 2. And then obviously the type of Pikachu. I, Nate, I, you said it perfectly. You know, good, bad, or weird, I I agree with you. I'm pretty excited to see it, no mm. matter how it yeah.
0: is. <laughs> I, I, I honestly can't <laughs> wait.
1: <laughs> I guess I'll transition awkwardly into my picks, but mine are John Wick 3. First one I think is, is really good. Second one I think is awesome, and I can't wait for the third one. I'm super excited for that. It comes out... In May, I believe. Very crowded summer. Mid-May, yeah. Yeah, very crowded summer with Avengers and Godzilla and God knows what else. Aladdin um, and... Aladdin. X-Men and... Yeah. Yeah, so much is coming out. Um, but I'm very excited for that. I think they're both the other ones are great action movies. After that, I'm going to throw Star Wars Episode Nine out there because, I mean, potentially... Unless they decide to come back and make more sequels in 10 years, this is going to be the it for the Skywalker stories. And... You know, not looking to argue with Nate here, but I love The Last Jedi, so I'm very excited to see where they pick it up. (laughs) Um, Still, again, no trailer, not a whole lot known there. J.J. Abrams picking it back up, right? Yeah. Cool. So we got J.J. Abrams back, you know, well-regarded director. And my third one, so from the, you know, the mind of Get Out, Jordan Peele, who uh, won the Oscar for Best Screenplay, Get Out came out in February 2017. His new movie called Us comes out in March, and uh, we got a poster as of recording today, and all we know is that it's a mother and a father take their kids to a beach house for a nice, relaxing weekend. An unexpected visitor pops up, and it turns into shock and chaos. Who knows what happens? But I love that. That can I'm, mean
2: that can mean literally anything.
1: Yeah, it could be <laughs> anything. I'm just glad we know something now. I've been I've been pretty excited for this. He's got a great cast. Um, as far as I know, it's Winston Duke and Lupita Nyong'o. And he's just he's got he's a great mind, and I can't wait to see what he does next. Um, he's also got the Twilight Zone show coming out, so he's been busy. But I can't wait to see what else he's got going on. So, yeah, those are my three picks: Star Wars Episode Nine, John Wick Three, and Us from Jordan Peele.
2: Look, looking ahead to like Star Wars, especially, like, I'm very curious to see. Not obviously, I want to see the movie because I loved Last Jedi just as much Jake did, even though Nate disagrees. we we'll um, <laughs> but I'm very curious to see how that vocal minority that, like Nate, that did not like the Last Jedi. Will that really affect box office receipts? I'm just curious about that. Because, I mean, we saw Solo did not do well, but that was. Nah. I think that was doomed, no matter how good or bad Last Jedi was. You know what I mean? How it was received.
1: Yeah, because nobody really asked for a solo movie.
2: Exactly. Like, and mm-hmm. it had so many problems behind the scenes and stuff. Like, I don't think what happened with Last Jedi had any kind of bearing or effect on how Solo did, but it will absolutely have an effect on episode 9's box office.
1: And I wonder if. Uh... The producers, Kathleen Kennedy specifically, who's in kind of in charge of the Star Wars verse over there, I wonder if they're going to tailor it a little bit to not be the same tone as The Last Jedi and be a little more fan-pleasing. Like, I wonder what route they're going to go.
0: I think rehiring J.J. Abrams is a big piece of that. That's too. true. I mean. yeah, yeah. It's a big piece, but he's also notoriously safe for stuff like this. Right, yeah, exactly. That That's true. what I'm saying, yeah. Like. Yeah, part of the reason that you guys liked Last Jedi so much was how different it was from the rest of the Star Wars universe. And I'm worried we're definitely going to backtrack in regards to originality on that front. Right. And uh, speaking as the person who didn't like The Last Jedi, I'm definitely going to see it. We're going to have to review yeah, it, obviously. Everybody's and see it. <laughs> Even if we weren't, I probably would see it anyway, just to uh, finish it. But, like, I haven't seen Solo yet. I haven't really planned on it. <laughs>
1: right. Um, <laughs> I was actually going to ask you, because I know a few months ago you I'm did. just
0: not excited for Star Wars as of late. And... Throw out a good trailer, and I'll see any movie you want me to, Star Wars included. But on title alone, that is not enough to get me in the seats anymore. Right. Um, and I'm curious to see how many of our listeners and the general public agree with me on that front. Yeah.
1: Isn't that interesting how, like, some people are getting worn out with Star Wars to the point where Nate, an avid moviegoer and movie fanatic, has not seen Solo. So interesting how times have changed, right?
2: And mm-hmm. we're getting a much needed break from it now.
1: I mean, two two
2: Star Wars movies within like 6 months is just too much. Like it is.
1: Yeah, it's too necessary. much. Especially when we didn't ask for Solo. Yeah, we didn't ask for half of it. Yeah. So like we're getting a nice <laughs> even
2: break now. Star Wars Episode 9 will be out in December. The Mandalorian will probably be out sometime in 2019 on Disney Plus. So there you go. You got your Star Wars kick again. But yeah, anything else to say on we've got a lot of different ones that we could be covering. But I think we got some of the big ones. Mm -hmm. But what's the biggest one, Drew? Right. So obviously, none of us pretty intentionally got into the biggest one. And what is that biggest one? Well, follow us into news.
0: And this just in, a news break special report. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story.
2: So really, I mean, like, we all could have just talked about Avengers 4. And just made that a big focal point of our most anticipated 2019. Because, I mean, it is going to be one of the most anticipated movies, not just of next year, but probably of the century, like ever, yeah. And we had been in the dark about it. We are all still reeling from Avengers Infinity War, and we're wondering what happens next. Well, recently, Marvel finally gave us some insight, and more importantly, they gave us a title, Avengers Endgame.
1: Thing on. Part of the journey is the end. Food and water ran out four days ago.
2: Oxygen will run out tomorrow morning. That'll be it.
0: Thanos did exactly what he said he was gonna do. He wiped out 50% of all living creatures.
1: You lost friends. you lost family. This is the fight of our lives.
0: This is gonna work, Steve.
2: I know it is. Because I don't know what I'm gonna do if it doesn't. As of this recording, that trailer, the teaser trailer, very much a teaser for Avengers Endgame, has been watched 68 million times, over 68 million times, by people on the internet on YouTube. Of course, it's Joe and Anthony Russo directing again. It's basically part two to Infinity War, although it is seemingly seems to be a separate movie. Um, we don't know a lot about it. We know that pretty much most of the Avengers will be back in some capacity. What that means, we'll see. It's very speculatory. We didn't learn a lot is what I'm trying to say. But what we did see, Nate, what did you think?
0: Oh, chills, man. This is such an emotional trailer because it's literally just setting the tone from where we're coming out of Infinity War. Obviously, if you haven't seen... Avengers: Infinity War. Put your hands in your ears and just skip forward ten minutes yeah, of this for, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> for whatever
1: ungodly reason you haven't seen it, I guess tune out now.
0: Right. Yeah. This trailer does not even try to. Oh my god! Yeah, it, kind it like begins bones. with the dusting of the Marvel logo. Right. In the aftermath of the snap.
1: Yeah, that's Marvel just planting its boots on your kitchen table and saying, like, if you haven't seen our other movie, too yeah. bad. Here's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. Exactly. And again, Avengers made a stupid amount of box office money and it's coming out on Netflix soon and yes. um, it's already DVDs and all that. Like everyone who is into Marvel has seen it probably several times by this point. Yeah, I've, I've seen it at least two. <laughs> but to the to the important stuff, this trailer is the aftermath of that devastating finale where half of the cast is just gone and it's the original six Avengers and some other side characters trying to pick up the pieces and it's going to be crazy. I can't wait. Cause there's no action in this trailer, nothing, but it's just raw emotion of this is where we are. What the heck are we going to do next? Right. And that's all I needed in this teaser.
2: It's just every character. They just pan to them and they're just completely broken. It's like they focus on the loss and then they pivot to what's going to happen next. Jake, what did you think?
1: Um, truthfully, I wasn't I wasn't blown away by it. It's pretty much just a, a relatively simple what we all needed, in my opinion. Like when I watched it, I didn't get the chills that like Nate, you and a few other friends of mine all say like chills, hair stood up, rave. I didn't really get that. I watched it was like nice, good, <laughs> a little just a little refresher, just, just what I needed, if anything at all but obviously stupid excited. I I said this over my Twitter. They could they could have not released a trailer whatsoever. They could have just said like, "Hey, by the way, Avengers is coming out at the end of April." And I would have been like, "Awesome. Perfect. I don't need anything else."
2: I was kind of hoping that's what they would do. I mean, yeah. they, oh, they,
0: they would <laughs> never. I don't have the patience but, for that sort of thing. Right. I would have been I would have been angry if we didn't at least get one trailer before the I honestly <laughs> would have
1: thought it was it would have been as funny as hell. Just like the Honestly, if they didn't release a trailer, the balls on them. I would have loved it. I would have thought it was so funny, because really, they're Avengers: Infinity War made two billion dollars. This is absolutely going to make at least the same. Yeah. But as far as the trailer goes, still, a, I mean, still a good trailer. I, I'm not wasn't like disappointed or annoyed or anything. It was still a good trailer. You know, funny bit at the end with Scott Lang, uh, an emotional bit with Cap, and pretty much the only thing they revealed that I didn't or we didn't already know is that Tony drifts in space for a little while. Yeah. Right. That's like mm-hmm. everything else. I was like, yeah. Right. Okay.
2: Right. And yet, absolutely, everybody is micro analyzing every single detail, even though it's pretty clear to me, I think, that most of this trailer takes place probably in the first half hour to 45 minutes of the movie. Right? Like, there, it feels like this is— I'd, yeah. even, I'd even go less. I bet
0: it could be the first 20 minutes. Yeah, it could be. I, wouldn't I would be, be surprised.
1: So. Right. Yeah, I don't want to know. I don't want to see anything else. Right. I'm totally good. I don't need to see anything else. Yeah. You had me last May.
0: This trailer just embodies what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is at this point. It's a long-standing series, akin to watching eight seasons of a TV show that you're really into, and this is the payoff. And everyone who is invested at this point can literally just see a shot of a man who used to have a beard and is now shaved, crying, and <laughs> right. have an emotional reaction <laughs> right. to it. You know? Not even in his That's suit or Like. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> like it's literally just Chris Evans' face and that's enough to get an emotional response out of you. That's how attached we are to these characters because we've yeah. grown up with them for 10 years now.
1: Right. And I, I did like Hawkeye's very brief part in the trailer.
0: Yeah, that was pretty that, that was, cool. Like That was a kick butt moment. <laughs> yeah.
1: That was the only other thing. We found out that Hawkeye is now using a sword too. Cool. I'm down. Yeah, he's he's taken on the Ronan
2: persona, which I think he definitely lost all of his kids, I think. I'd imagine it, he had to kid's have, wife, both maybe kids' wife, everyone. And I'm sure that changed yeah. him fundamentally because Black Widow oh, kind yeah. of alludes to that. Um, I just wanna talk about we've we've kind of discussed this before, I think, off mic, but the reputation of Avengers Infinity War is fascinating because it it might be the best received, like huge anticipated movie that I can remember. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Movies like these often they have their detractors. And like there are people out there that don't like Avengers Infinity War, but like overall I think most
1: people were really satisfied oh, yeah.
2: with what they got.
1: Yeah. I mean criti- critically it overall did well. Not like not like mind-blowing numbers, but it did well critically and audience members were almost universally really happy with it. I can only name one person that I know who saw it and didn't like it. Other than that, everybody I know who saw it liked it. Twitter is all over it in a good way. It's really really Satisfied almost everybody, remarkably so.
0: I think the most unique part about it is that it was not only well received for just the consistency of Marvel movies need to hit this level of good to be appreciated, but it also surprised its audiences. Yeah, that's important. Kicking them in any sort of way. Yeah. And that is rare. Like when Star Wars Episode 7 came out, people loved the movie and they were excited. And then over the course of a month, a year, people said, you know what? They did kind of play it a little safe. Maybe it wasn't as good as I thought when I was in the theater and saw it. I have not heard that about Infinity War yet, Yeah, and I think it's because it was just so shocking at the end. Right. It certainly didn't play it safe at all.
1: And, and Gamora in the middle. I was like, holy hell.
2: Yeah. This is crazy. And that goes back to what you were talking about, Nate, where these movies are kind of critic-proof because they're so unique we're about to watch part two of a series finale is what we're about to watch pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we've built it up throughout these years. So it's hard to quantify exactly like is this a good movie or a bad movie. And it's like it might not be a good technically movie. Like if you walked into this and just watched Infinity War on its own, you'd be confused as hell. You have no idea but what's going on. But <laughs> at the same time, there's no way to judge it like that because that's not these kind of movies that we're watching here.
1: Right. That's not the point.
2: Right. They can do things like this where they just tease. And I i mean, like, it won't be the case. They're probably going to drop something around the Super Bowl, probably around Captain Marvel time. Yeah, I would imagine. But if they could just have rocked with this, it'd be fine. Like, they would survive. Um, so I think safe to say we're all very excited for Avengers Endgame. That comes yeah. out at the end of and April.
1: And this is why we didn't talk about it in Lobby Talk. Right.
2: <laughs> and it's about a month after that, uh, movies will be scrambling all summer to try to salvage their box office receipts because of Avengers Endgame. One of those said movies that has to go up against the Mad Titan is the king of the monsters, Godzilla.
0: Hello? Is anyone there? Senators, we believe that these Titans are just the tip of the iceberg they're everywhere battling for dominance
2: a rival alpha to godzilla so you'd want to make godzilla our pet
0: no we would be his
2: That was a snippet of the second trailer for Godzilla, King of the Monsters, which is due out in late May. So it has about a month's separation from Avengers Endgame. Um, it is the sequel to 2014's Godzilla. Michael Doherty takes over as director um, from Gareth Edwards. Uh, he's done Krampus, Trick or Treat. Nothing really huge, but boy, does this movie look huge. Yeah. I mean, Godzilla's back, of course, but there are a bunch of other different Monsters here wreaking havoc on the world. And the humans caught in the middle Millie Bobby Brown, of course, a stranger thing, Kyle Chandler, Vera Farmiga, Ken Watanabe is back, Thomas Middleditch, O'Shea Jackson, uh, whatever Ice Cube's son's name is, that's O'Shea Jackson. Uh,
1: Charles Dance from Game of Thrones.
2: Charles Dance, huge, huge human cast as well. And then the lovable, slightly obese version of Godzilla that will eventually fight King Kong. (laughs)
1: Little pudgy.
2: (laughs) Guys, this is a huge trailer. And it's our second good look at the movie. Uh, Jake, first impressions on this? Uh,
1: man, if I was 12, I would be talking about this every single day until it came out. It, <laughs> it pretty much just looks like, I, I am excited. At 23 years old, I'm excited. I'll clear the air there. Because I think visually, it looks awesome. It like the, the color scheme and the graphics and the monster designs and everything, it looks so good. That doesn't necessarily mean it will be good, but for now, both trailers have made me go, wow, I'm looking forward to this now. And that's good because I didn't love Kong's. I was kind of underwhelmed by Kong Skull Island and I was kind of underwhelmed by Godzilla 2014. I know Andrew will fight me on that, but I was a little underwhelmed by yeah, both. Yeah, I love that movie. It's a good movie. Yeah, I personally was underwhelmed by both, but this one, man. And I loved Godzilla as a kid, truthfully. I love all the monster stuff as a kid. I had the Godzilla game on GameCube. I don't know if either of you had that. No, I did no? not. Okay. <laughs> well, I had the Godzilla game, and I loved all the monsters, like Mothra, King Ghidorah. Um, and the, we got peeks at both of them. Rodan, I think, is the pterodactyl one. That is
2: correct. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I loved all that stuff. So 12-year-old me would be jumping up and down, not paying attention to class at all.
0: But <laughs>
1: long story short, I, I'm pretty excited for this. If nothing else, it looks entertaining as hell.
0: Nate? Same boat, man, if not more so. Sweet. Because I can, I can remain 12 years old in my head here. <laughs> <laughs> Like back in the day growing up, uh, one of my good friends, uh, whenever we did sleepovers kind of thing, uh, he had all of the old Godzilla movies. And one of our favorites was Godzilla Final Wars, which is basically like the beta version of this movie where it's just Godzilla oh. going up against all of the old school monsters. And like this weird fan service but fun as all heck movie. I might have to watch that like tonight. Like it's campy. <laughs> but all the godzillas especially the american productions when it got to this point were that way but this movie oh, this is like this is exactly what you picture when you close your eyes as a preteen boy and that's monster movies like giant dragons weird creatures going at each other and just Wrecking face on whatever city is right, unfortunate right, enough to be in there. Yeah. Right.
1: Like my poor parents would have such a
0: headache from me talking about this. <laughs> and so like the shot of King Dora, the three-headed dragon, going oh, up against yeah. Godzilla at the end, hell and they're yeah. sprinting towards each other. That looks so cool.
1: Yeah, I, I am <laughs> excited. I'm really excited. I hope I hope
0: it's good. Yeah, if they if they focus on the monsters this time around. I'm going to be so happy because I'm more on Jake's camp when it comes to the 2014 Godzilla, where, yes, it was tense. And yes, people are comparing it to Jaws, how you don't see the monster the whole time. But we just spent so much time on the military character. I already forgot his name because he's just so boring. It just ate up the movie because we were just focusing on his perspective the entire time.
1: I don't really care like I didn't dislike it I just didn't think it was anything great right well, that was okay yeah. you have to walk before you can run though guys like I don't
2: think personally that you could have just jumped into what we were seeing in this King of the Monsters trailer because this is clearly I'll a, give you that it's clearly a rectification of you know people's main complaints about the original Godzilla which is not something that I had a complaint about I really like the movie's atmosphere how Edwards kind of evoked Spielberg in a lot of points and like you said the Jaws atmosphere that's a good way to put it this just seems like it's balls to the wall crazy. Um and it could still have some of those same problems where it has problems with human characters, but if they focus on the monsters as much as it seems that they are going to, it's going to be just exhilarating to watch. Um
1: yeah, I agree. Exa-
2: exactly. Visually this thing is just like otherworldly. Like it yeah, looks amazing. it looks
1: visually outstanding.
2: Right. And it's just a matter of whether or not it can deliver on its promises. Um, because, in my opinion, the original Godzilla, the, I shouldn't say original, you know what I mean, 2014 Godzilla, did not promise a movie like this. It promised what we got, which was, you know, passing glances at Godzilla and then hand it over to him in the third act. This is, it looks like Godzilla and his friends, or I guess foes, I should say, um, hmm. dominate the entire thing. Which, I mean, makes sense because, you know, he's out in the open now. We know about him. So, like, why? Right. can't play coy about it anymore. Like, you don't need to build the mystique yeah. of him anymore. He's there. So it's a matter of whether they can deliver on the promise of what you guys want. And I, I me too, I should say. But like what you guys have wanted from the beginning, I should say. Uh, like, mm-hmm.
1: Truthfully, my main concern is that the director's kind of inexperienced. He's been attached to a couple things, but he's never really done a whole lot on his own.
2: Nothing with a budget above $30 million or anything
1: like that. Yeah, like, nothing really great. Nothing that caught anybody's eye. Like, he's helped write some decent things. I think he's been attached on as a producer to some things. But as a director, he hasn't done a whole lot. And that's, true. That's truthfully, my main concern. Well, the movies he's done
2: are good. They're just, you know, they're low-key. That was my, my concern was the jump to big-budget filmmaking like this would be a problem. But it doesn't appear to be to me. The visuals are there. Yeah, it yeah. looks great. <laughs> so. <laughs> so obviously that comes out May 31st. So moving on from two twenty nineteen 2019 movies we were really looking forward to to a premise that we now have and like some official announcements from a 2020 movie that should be really exciting. Um, so Pixar, we've kind of been pushing them to go back to original content because we all loved Coco a lot. Um, as much as we liked Incredibles 2, I don't think we're very much on board with a Toy Story 4 that much. But... There has always been this idea, or not always, last year it was introduced at a convention, this idea of, like, Lord of the Rings meets modern suburbia life. We've learned very key details about that new story they're going to be telling. It's a movie coming out called Onward. It's due out in March of 2020. It'll be directed by Dan Scanlon, who's making his second movie for Pixar. He directed Monsters University. Pretty big core four of casting. It's Chris Pratt, Tom Holland, Julia Louise dreyfus and Octavius Spencer. The story is going to follow two teenage elf brothers, presumably voiced by Pratt and Holland. They're on a mission to harness magic, however little of it is left in the world. It's kind of vague, but basically the the through line that they pitched was, imagine mystical creatures living every day like us.
1: Well, did we already get that? Isn't it bright? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, let me say, imagine that, but good, about. Yeah, about in my head I went, I went, watch Andrew get ticked. Yeah,
2: but not let's mm. not go there. Um, Nate, when you hear about this premise, what do you think?
0: Well, I just want all our listeners to send us thank you notes because we got Pixar all on our own to stop making sequels <laughs> and focus on original movies. Correct. That's that all was us. Just us.
1: <laughs> yeah, they overheard us and they were like, you know what? They're right. Let's do that. Forget
0: money. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, on just name and premise alone, we don't know a whole lot yet. Uh, but I'm I'm just excited that we get some original concepts in because it's so frustrating to hear when people say oh originality's dead hollywood can't come up with new ideas yes they can and hopefully pixar's paid enough dues with all the sequels that it's churning out that it's got the budget to invest in some potentially risky um, but hopefully fun awesome pixar ideas here so looking forward to it waiting for more information jake um, yeah, I'm getting pretty excited
1: for, for the future, truthfully. I think, on, honestly, I was saying this to you guys earlier, just the name Onward is cool. That's a cool name. I like that. Also, great great cast. Julie-Louise dreyfus Chris Pratt, Tom Holland, and Octavia Spencer, you said? Yeah. It's a great cast. Um, so that's exciting. And Pixar, original content. Hell yeah, thank you. That's what we've waiting for. Literally, here at the Middle seats. that's what we've been asking you for. Um, so yeah, obviously, that's all we know. We don't have any trailers for it, but... Um, that's cool. Oh, and the, that's what I want to talk about. I almost missed it. The premise. I really dig that kind of stuff, like fairy tale creatures and make believe worlds. Like, I was the kid who wouldn't really tell people that I was into that stuff in fear of getting made fun of, but I always dug that kind of stuff. So, hell yeah, anim- animated, fun, upbeat Lord of the Rings characters in Suburban World. Yeah, I'm on board.
2: Yeah. I think there's a misconception that Pixar is like original content bombs. I mean, it. In comparison to the sequels, because their top three movies, I'm looking at the list right now, are Incredibles 2, Finding Dory, and Toy Story 3. Of course, those are popular sequels to immensely popular originals. But Coco, which of course was their last original movie, still made over $200 million at the box office, one best animated feature. Um, and we know they have a wealth of money. So it's just, I think it's frustrating for us to just see that, you know, they're spending so much time on the sequels when they don't need to be financially. And these are the exact kind of projects that I want to see them doing. Because they're you, you know they're going to take this and still have like an amazing emotional core with it. Like they did with Inside Out and Up and Finding Nemo. They, they have these concepts where they, you know, it sounds like you can describe it in one sentence. Like, oh, okay, emotions inside your head. Uh, okay, a uh, fish goes to find his son across the ocean. But then it's so much more than that. And you know Onward. Right. And I already know that Onward is going to be more than that because one – it's based off of Dan Scanlon's apparently very real-life experiences, uh, which aren't always happy. So we know we're already going to have to cry from that. And two, Chris Pratt tweeted out, said something, can't tell us a lot about it yet, but that he, like, bawled the first time he read the script or something like that. So, I mean, that that could be a little bit of just, like, you know, I'm marketing this towards you. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you, you got to get excited about it. Pixar has earned the right that you hear a project and you go, okay, let's see what
1: happens. Honestly, they're... In a more, I'd say slightly more risky way, they're kind of like Marvel. Even their movies that aren't that great are still pretty good and do well. For the most part, yes. Even their um, their subpar, per se, are still relatively well regarded. So, I mean, you know, like Marvel, you got to trust them. You got to trust that they're going to turn out good work, regardless yeah, except of Except for Cars 2.
2: Forget Cars 2. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let, okay, let's, sorry, Let's <laughs> end on that note. Forget Cars 2. Don't forget what we just talked about, though. That'll end our news segment. If you have anything to say about any of those news items or anything to say about the most anticipated movies of 2019, please comment, subscribe, let us know what you're thinking. Let's move into our feature review, moving back towards 2018 and a big Oscar contender this season. Let's talk about Green Book. Yeah, some guy called over here, a doctor. He's looking for a driver. You interested?
1: I am not a medical doctor. I'm a musician. Do you foresee any issues in working for a black man? You and the Deep South? is going to be problems. we will be interacting with some of the wealthiest people in the country? It is my feeling that your addiction could use some finessing. Finna, but wh- why are you breaking my balls? Because you can do better, Mr. Badawala. This gentleman says that I'm not permitted to dine here. I'm afraid not. How does he smile and shake their hands like that? Because it takes courage to change people's hearts. Hey, come on,
2: get out!
1: Now. You never win with violence. You only win when you maintain your dignity.
2: You don't know your own people. You, Mr. Big Shot, doing concerts for rich people. So if I'm not
1: black enough, and if I'm not white enough, then tell me, so what am I?
2: Green Book is directed by Peter Farrelly. He is one of the duo comedy duo that. Hit it big in the 90s. They made Dumb and Dumber. They made There's Something About Mary, Osmosis Jones, Shallow Hal. They were a big deal for a while. Me, myself, and Irene, I believe they directed as well. If not, they just produced it. But they they had a big thing going for a while. Then they kind of fell off a little bit, and now Peter's doing this. Um, it's one of his first big dramatic movies. Green Book is based on a true story. It starts Viggo Mortensen. You better probably know him as Aragon from the Lord of the Rings movies. He's Tony Vallelonga, or also known as Tony Lip. He's a foul-mouthed, bad mannered bruiser of a New Yorker in 19, the 1950s, 1960s period. He's the stunning Italian-American stereotype. He has a casual racism towards minorities, as they would back in the day. Working job-to-job at a nightclub, he bounces for... It kind of undergoes renovation, so he has to take this job with Dr. Don Shirley, who's played by Mahershala Ali, of course, the Oscar winner from Moonlight. He's one of the most sophisticated and talented pianists on the planet. Tony will serve as the driver for Dr. Shirley as he embarks on a musical tour in the Deep South, and this is back in segregation days, full-blown, running right up until Christmas time. So it's a Thanksgiving to Christmas trip, and of course, life lessons are learned and things happen. So, guys, this one is definitely on the radar for a lot of people as far as Oscar contenders go. Whether it deserves it or not is up for debate, especially between general audiences who are watching the movie and hardcore critics who, of course, have their starling favorites here at the end of the year. I'm just curious to hear what you guys think.
1: Jake, what did you think of Green Book? So I sat down and watched this, and I liked it more than I thought I would. I actually really liked it. I liked it a lot. I think the story's really good. And I think the performances were both outstanding. I don't think... If I have, I'm not aware. But I don't think I've seen Vigo Mortensen in anything other than Lord of the Rings. I didn't see Captain Fantastic. And I didn't see History of Violence or whatever else he's been in other than that. I thought he was great. He should absolutely get nominated. He's getting buzz. I think he should get a nomination. I thought he was really, really great. He pulls off the Italian stereotype perfectly. And he's just... He's got great facial expressions, his mannerisms. He hits the emotional cues when he needs to. Like, upbeat, funny, happy, sad, confused, wonder, all of it. He gets it really, really good. And Mahershala Ali, same, in a supporting role, I think he should get a nomination as well. He's totally different than his Luke Cage role, totally different than his Moonlight role. Um, He really shows his range in this, and I think those two are the ones that really stood out to me. Both of them were really great. And then on top of it, a really nice, touching story about an unlikely bond between two very different people, different things, going out of their comfort zone, what they learn from it. I just really, really good uh story, really good movie overall, great performances. I could see a lot of people liking it. I don't think it'll be anybody's favorite of the year though. But really, really good. I'm glad I, you know, went down and watched it.
0: Nate, what did you think? All right. Scoot over, Jake, because I'm gonna be sharing that seat with you in the car here. Whew, I wasn't uh, sure. <laughs> it's kind of justifiably been called a cookie cutter Oscar movie and it is a little predictable in that regard but what really sells this movie is the chemistry between the two main characters here Mortensen took me completely by surprise because I didn't know who the actor was until I was looking up for my notes before the show and to have Aragon come back in such a very (laughs) different very different role much much later in life um, was really exciting to see And then Mahershala Ali is, and continues to be, an outstanding actor and loved every movie or TV show that he's been in. Uh, And they play off each other incredibly well. Their character dynamic is really fun to watch. And on that note, the movie is surprisingly funny uh, for what the story is all about. Uh, So it definitely hits the emotional notes. It... Makes you angry when you see the unjustified racism. Um, it makes you laugh when the characters are bouncing off each other, and it makes you smile at the end. It's a happy ending. So, all in all, it's a pretty well-contained package and perfect holiday movie. It's
2: interesting because I feel like there are movies like these that come around pretty much every year where they're like they really feel good and they're 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 Oscar contenders, but a lot of people kind of scoff at them. Um, it happens like the blind side is the one that I keep thinking of um, where it's like it's a crowd pleaser is what it is. But it might not have the technical prowess or the, you know, craftsmanship of like the bigger art house pictures. And a lot of the times movies like that are looked down on sometimes unfairly. Um, but the crowd pleasers can be just as good, too. And especially this is a good this is a very good movie. It's a good, well executed Manipulative for sure movie, uh, with some with two really strong lead performances, two excellent actors working off each other. Um, what really makes this work is their relationship and the bond between the characters and how they sell these scenes that might have been like hackneyed or corny in different arms, right? Because the movie definitely plays it fast and loose with history, it's definitely a sanitized version of what probably actually happened. It doesn't have the grit of other racial dramas. And I think it suffers a little bit for that because it's clear that we're watching a version of this movie that is supposed to make everyone feel good. You're not supposed to feel uncomfortable watching this or like overly uncomfortable, if that makes sense. Right, yeah. I can see that. It's a sweet, likable, charming little flick about a very unlikely friendship. It has a lot of fun with turning the Driving Miss Daisy routine on its head where it has the white man driving around the black man. And that's a clever conceit. It's a good story. It's clearly – I mean like I don't know how much they moved around the facts but as for as flawed as it can be at points and it's certainly not perfect. There's a lot of lack of polish in the filmmaking that it's kind of – it speaks to the inexperience of the director and the inexperience of the crew on working on these kind of movies. For all of those shortcomings, Mortensen and Ali carry this thing past the finish line because they are so good and they're so good together that it just feels like we're watching two thespians just put on a show. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, that's what a lot of these Oscar movies boil down to. It's just watching some of the best talents in the world elevate material that might be like B-minus material to like B-plus stuff. And that's what we're doing here.
1: Yeah, um, and I I kind of agree with you. I remember thinking there's not a whole lot of, like, not that the direction is bad. I also am not the one who's like an expert on directing, obviously. But I remember thinking there's not a whole lot of like, Style or unique qualities to the direction, like like Mad Max, La La Land, Revenant, just you know, recent movies in the last few years, those are very specific styles. Great directors working at hand. This is obviously you know to me obviously more of a director who knows how to direct a movie, but not with any kind of precise or specific qualities in hand. Yeah, it's competent,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, and had they not landed the actors that they landed, it would have been a different movie. I agree. Like both of them are great, and they do wonders with the script. Um, But I think with lesser actors, it would have been a more mediocre movie and not talked about here, honestly.
2: Yeah, we wouldn't be touching on it, probably. So, like, you were talking, Nate, about how, like, Mortensen is just unrecognizable and how much weight he gained for this role. And I think the movie has a lot of fun with that weight, if that makes sense. Just, like, it makes it a source of
0: comedy. Yeah, and the Italian stereotyping in general is... <laughs> kind of on the notes as someone who comes from an Italian family and knows a lot of Italian families. Um, not to the point of being offensive, obviously. But, right. Uh, just the mannerisms, the food, <laughs> the dialogue. He does an incredible job and he becomes the driver of uh, Dr. Shirley because of how he can handle himself and handle others. And there are several scenes where he has to intervene to to protect the piano player and he can really pull that snap from I'm a likable funny guy let's figure this out to I'm gonna wreck your face right and, oh yeah
1: very quickly <laughs>
0: and very quickly but convincingly believably yeah. and uh, honestly a treat to see this actor again in again I did not know who the actor was watching the movie and I'm like wow really like him who is he oh my god he's from lord of the rings (laughs) that's aragorn what
1: (laughs) yeah i was i was pretty shocked uh I'm, i'm with you in that bonade i knew who was going in but watching him i'm like man he's got one of the biggest trilogies of all time under his belt and now he's getting oscar recognition from a couple years ago and potentially this year good for him man yeah
2: He's been doing quality work since Lord of the Rings ended. It's just been in smaller movies that not, a, like, a general audience saw. This is definitely probably the biggest role he's had since then. Right. But he's just, he's a great actor. Like, he really is. And he gets to show it off here. These are two guys that I feel like elevated themselves from, like, character actors to full-blown leads just by yeah. sheer talent. Because Marshall Ali's been around for a while, too. But... Moonlight really sent him to the stratosphere, and now he's got like he's gonna be the lead in true detective. I'm so excited! For he that. was an amazing villain on Luke Cage. Like, yeah, the guy is great, and he deserves everything that he's been getting, and both of them do. That's yeah. why I'm happy to see this movie succeed, even if I don't think it's perfect per se. And I think that's where we get into our ratings here. Um, so we're gonna get into our ratings for Green Book. Basically how we rate things here on the middle seats is we rate them on the seat scale. If we think a movie is perfect with almost no flaws whatsoever, we give it a royal throne. If we think a movie is really great but has some minor flaws, we give it a plush recliner. If we think a movie is really good but has some significant flaws that, that needs a little bit of hashing out, we give it a wooden seat. The inverse of that, if we think a movie is not very good but has some really solid strengths, we give it a damp lawn chair. And if a movie has no redeeming qualities whatsoever, we give it a sleazy outhouse. And if we think a movie needs to be seen in theaters with a good crowd or with a big screen, we give it the Bag of Popcorn moniker. So, Nate, what would you give
0: Green Book? Yeah, so just quick recap. Love the characters. Tightly packed story. Good direction. Solid plot. Good theming. All around, it's a really tightly contained movie that that just works. It didn't blow me away. It's a little predictable. It's a little sappy at times, if that's the right word. It doesn't pull out all the punches with how serious racism and segregation is and was in this country. So, on that note, it doesn't go above and beyond to see to be a movie that I haven't seen before. But that said, on Character Strain alone, this is a solid, solid movie. Uh, so I'm going to go plush recliner on it. I thoroughly enjoyed it, never was bored, thoroughly entertained. Uh, it was funny, it was emotional, and it was a good experience. Jake?
1: Yeah, this movie's a really good example of just a, a really well-done quality drama. It's not a masterpiece, it's not any of those movies that's blown people away. Uh, I highly, I guess you technically never know, but I highly doubt it'll win Best Picture if it gets a nomination. It's just a really good quality film that I think most people... If you can, if you can just take good story making, that's not you know overly exciting. Just a really good, well written, well told story. This is it. This is what you're looking for. And plush recliner for me as well. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm feeling the, the vibe, the middle seats, plus recliner vibe tonight. But yeah, just really, really rock solid movie with really uh, standout performances from both our leads.
2: Yeah, the acting really does carry this thing. I took a step back and I looked at it and I was like. Would this movie work as well without those two? And I mean like you can't isolate it like that too much. But at the same time, I do have some issues with just how over the top and corny it can be at times and how much it does lay it on thick. Like it's a very obvious movie. There's no subtlety here. And like for me, it takes a little bit more than what this movie gave to give it probably a plus recliner. I'm giving it a very strong, solidly built wooden seat. It's a good movie. It's definitely something that you should watch around Oscar season because of the performances because everybody will be talking about Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala coming up. Uh, I don't know if they're either of them are the front runners per se, but I think both of them will make it into that five, especially if it does well in other categories like Best Picture or if it gets like a production design or costume. like a screenplay. Yeah, we'll see about screenplay because I think my biggest issues are with the screenplay. It just feels like it's... It's a little on the nose it's so on the nose yeah and we'll get into what those on the nose problems are some of those scenes that might have been like oh brother a little bit coming up here in our spoiler section so if you have not seen Green Book tune out now and don't go on Wikipedia because it's a true story Uh, if you have seen Green Book join us in the spoiler section whoa Uh, spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert
1: excuse me spoiler alert so, yeah, as far as spoiler goes, well, actually, first off, I didn't know, I wasn't sure if this is based on a true story or not. So, when they showed it at the end credits, I was pretty happy. I'm like, oh, it's so nice. It's a nice, true story. I like when nice stories like that come out. I'm, you know, I don't consider myself a sucker, but when I found out it's a true story, I was like, oh, that's nice. But we've talked about on the nose stuff a little bit, and there's definitely something to that. And I think the most on the nose scene for me, even though they added humor to it, which worked, was the, uh, the fried chicken scene when they were in Kentucky. They get Kentucky Fried Chicken in Kentucky, and they have literally a whole discussion about black people who like fried chicken, which is obviously a stereotype, and they literally address it on the nose about how it is a stereotype, because Mahershala Ali's character has never eaten fried chicken, and for me, I was like, okay, that is as blatant as a stereotype address as you can get. And I think that was the most on the nose, but there's a few of them that kind of come and go and then they do it with Italians a little bit as well but uh, a little bit <laughs> well they, yeah, they but sometimes they add in humor which for me helps so. yeah
2: like he folds he literally folds a full eight cut pizza and eats it at one point.
1: <laughs> I forgot about <laughs> that that was hilarious right that was really but again that was really funny they, they address it with humor so for me it wasn't as bad Mm.
2: It's just a matter of how much you can stomach, as far as that stuff goes. I mean, like, I right. yeah, I agree. I wasn't offended by any of it. I was just like, oh brother, this is a little. This is yeah, way the whole over the
0: top. Pizza,
1: forgot and about It's that. just
2: like I think more severely the problem I had with it was those on the nose conversations about racism. But I don't feel like it justifies that because it, it establishes at the beginning that Tony is he's a little racist. Like he has the black people in his house helping him out, and he like throws out the cups that they use. And, like, that's supposed to be a very poignant, powerful thing about, like, the silent racism that he harbors. But then they never really, like, the redemption feels like he just grows to like the Doctor more. Yeah. As opposed to him
0: actually getting over his racism. You know what I mean? I'm so glad you brought this one up because I was thinking about the exact same scene as we were talking about this show. He is racist enough that he doesn't want to keep two glasses that black people have drank from. And, like, there's one other scene at the beginning of the movie where he pulls his wallet out of the car when he goes to pee as just kind of, like, a second nature kind of thing. Right. But then there's no show of growth in between that moment and when he's, like, now adamantly defending the Doctor's character. Right. It's very rushed, in my opinion. There's no, like, acceptance of, wait a second, he's actually a person. I shouldn't be racist anymore. Like, that doesn't happen. That arc isn't earned in my opinion and it just it just flies by and to top it all off there's the weird reveal that Mahershala's character is gay and Tony's character doesn't really react to that and someone who's as bigoted as I don't want to keep glasses that were drank from black people to having no issue with his character and any like potentially homophobic feelings in there it just felt kind of off to me. It's way too cartoony. Yeah, there was no conflict there. Well,
1: I was I was a little surprised that there was no reaction to the reveal, but at the same time, he they I feel like they addressed it a little bit because one they at this point have been growing and helping each other and growing to like each other, and he kind of makes a little pass like I worked in nightclubs for years. I know funky stuff happens. I'm not really one to judge, and he kind of just lets it go. So I was a little I was surprised that there wasn't a reaction, but I feel like that was. You know, simple yeah, enough. And like, and-
0: that's the explanation for his lack of reaction. But, again, you're coming from a character who didn't trust black people in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And now we have this character. And there's just no in-between moment. Right.
2: Jeez, Nate, it's like you're reading my notes over here. Like, I've got, like, you've got, <laughs> you're nailing every point. Like, you're doing my job for me, man. Like... We're very much on the same page as far as that goes. And I think the movie tries to, like, retcon that. I mean, they should have probably removed that scene because the rest of the movie kind of tries to establish Tony as, like, he's too stupid and too, like, naive to be a racist, if that makes sense. He's too simple of a guy. That's what they try to set it up as. But then that scene is completely counterintuitive to that. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it's supposed to show some redemption arc that I just feel like didn't happen. And I know, like, I mean, we're beating on the same points, but it's – the movie is so obvious in other moments that, like, I'm shocked there wasn't a scene where he's like, huh, I guess they're okay. You know what I mean? Like, stupid (laughs) – something as stupid as that, it just feels like it was missing given the context of the rest of the movie.
1: I guess for for me it was kind of just, like, the hallmark moment at the end is supposed to imply that a little bit even though they don't directly show it. Like, he invites him in. You know, his family – Gives him a two-second silent pause, and they were like, "Well, I guess this is what we're doing," you know. So for me, it was like a hallmark moment where Tony's character does that, and also he defends him at the dinner table. They ask how he's driving the doctor, but they use a racial slur that I don't, or just like a, a racially insensitive nickname that I don't remember what they said. And he was like, "Hey, don't call him that." So they really hammer home their friendship, and I guess the ending is just supposed to imply that he thinks differently now. But I know what you guys mean. There's no direct hit home moment for him where he really goes, "Ah." Got it. Right. And mm-hmm. I
2: think as messy as the characterization can be, the movie does a really good job with the rest of the elements of the Doctor's character. I really liked the dichotomy of his situation. He has that big, big showy oscar moment where he's talking about how like he's too – White to be, he's like too talented and too white to be black. But then, of course, white people don't accept him either. He's this very lonely soul. Absolutely. And I right. really think Maricela and the script really nailed that part. Yeah, I really, I really like that a lot. Tony is such a family person, family first person, despite all of his simpleton flaws. And it's such an easy contrast to make. But the movie
0: nails that. And if it didn't nail that, it would have been in big trouble. For sure. Yeah, I, I honestly can't think of any. Criticisms for Mahershala Ali's performance. I thought his character was great. I thought how the character was written was great. Like, he fully embodied someone who was toured in several different directions and didn't really feel like he had a home in any community. And he stands up for himself at the right moments, um, particularly like that Christmas Eve scene at the end, just having personal pride. And like I thought all of that was powerful stuff like right. maybe a little predictable but right. I'm not gonna fault the movie for that because it was a good character well and I
1: completely called uh, Mahershala driving him at the very end like their final home stretch to the city when he was like oh, I can barely see I feel like I'm gonna fall asleep I was like ah that's how they get home got it <laughs> right
2: And really the movie kind of like establishes like, oh, you get home for Christmas. But like, what if he, so what if he didn't? He's making money for you, woman. Like, (laughs) like. (laughs) You've seen the the next And that kind of just, again, hammers home the whole like general audience pandering that this movie kind of does. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you do it well. And it
1: does. Right. Like there is definitely pandering and, you know, really like, hey, this is our message. Take to it. But I think it, like you said, it was done in a, in a good enough way and not an obnoxious, cheesy way. Like, it worked out. Exactly.
2: So, guys, I think we've kind of gone into a lot of what makes Green Book work and what doesn't make it work. Let's move into final thoughts here. Jake, you were on a roll. Why don't you finish it up?
1: How nice of you. Um, (laughs) Don't push it. Yeah, I was going to say, totally totally threw me off guard with that. You ruined already. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I should have seen that coming a mile away. Um, It is definitely a feel-good movie. I'd say my only criticism was there was a point – when I just like kind of casually checked my watch and I was surprised I was only about halfway through because it's only, what, 2 hours, 10 minutes, 2.15? It felt a little bit longer than that. And if you feel... If the movie feels like it's longer than it is, that is a little bit of a criticism for me and I kind of felt that a little bit with this. So I could see some audience members getting a little, like, groany. But other than that, this is a movie that I think a lot of people can not only enjoy and enjoy the story and the performances but get something out of and learn as... Tony learns, and learn as the Doctor learns. So I really liked it. I really liked the whole story, uh, and mostly the performances were outstanding, you know, combined with a good story, a good feel-good story for the holidays, like you guys said. Definitely worth the watch.
2: Nate, final thoughts on
1: Green Book?
0: I'm not familiar with the the true story aspect of this. Um, just looking it up online, uh, the family of Don Shirley has come out kind of against this movie because of just how how safe they keep all of the the themes in this movie.
2: There's a lot of backlash to the movie that I think we would need more time to get into.
0: Yeah, and none of us are uh, into classical piano music. None of us really know the history here, so I can only speak to what I thought of the movie as a film, and I enjoyed the story they put together. I thought it was very tightly contained, and honestly... Completely and totally sold by just the actors' chemistry together. Their dynamic is so much fun to watch, and there's there's a lot of great quotable moments in there. A lot of really fun banter. Good feel, good movie. Maybe even too much stuff. And I'll leave it at that. Jake, you used an interesting phrase when you were talking earlier.
2: You were talking about like the end sequence of the film, and you called it like hallmarky. Like something you would put on a greeting card that's comfortable, it's warm, but it's also a little vapid at points too. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of how I feel about this movie. I like it. It's a good movie. It's well acted and really elevated by the talent in front of the camera. It's just the talent behind the camera kind of leaves a little to be desired at points. And it doesn't put it in that second tier when we really start talking about serious best picture contenders for me. Now, other people are going to disagree with that. I think the Academy most likely will. I think this has – I'm not going to call it a lock, but I think it's got a very good shot at being one of the eight or nine to be nominated.
1: Right. Um, I think so, I, too.
2: And I won't be necessarily angry if it gets nominated. I'll understand, but I do think I'll be a little irked if it wins just because I think there are a lot of more deserving oh, movies yeah. out I there. Would,
1: I would be a little like, really, if it wins? Because it's right. definitely – it's a good movie, but I don't i don't see Best Picture winner. I'd be disappointed it. if it
2: did. Right. This kind of thing happens all the time, though, too, so I wouldn't be shocked. I do recommend that you watch it. I think your Oscar season will not be complete without watching it. Just I I wouldn't have the massive expectations for it you might have for something like First Man or even A Star is Born, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I like both of those better. Me too. Mm -hmm.
2: Me too. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Middle Seeds Podcast. Before we
0: jump back in our Cadillac and drive home, Nate Longarini, where can they find us on the internet? Alrighty, here's how you can get in touch with us please like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Middle Seats. You can also listen to us on the go on both SoundCloud and iTunes. For any questions, comments, or updates on the show, keep an eye on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at The Middle Seats. And if you like what you hear and you want to see more content, let us know and spread the word. Guys, I don't know about you guys, but I am very
2: excited for next week's review. We finally get to talk about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Ooh. Big anticipated movie of this winter season, Phil Lord, Chris Miller produced, so we'll talk about that coming up soon. Uh, For all of our past episodes, you could find us, obviously, where Nate was talking about. That'll do it for us this week. For Nate Longarini and Jake Hensler, I'm Andro J. Keep that seat warm, everyone. We'll be back soon.